0: We want to talk about the best laid plans. The best laid plans. Have you ever planned for something and it didn't go as you planned? Or you guys are all living the perfect lives and nothing ever went wrong. I was, <laughs> there was too many stories that I couldn't even decide on just one of plans that have gone awry. Um, plans or lack of plans. When I used to get ready for work, I would kind of, my clothes would somehow find their way on the floor. And that was my plan to get ready in the work, that it was already there and ready. When a scorpion found its way into my pants one morning and I went to work with him, still a part of my attire, that plan changed. I I remember I was planning to come to New Zealand one time uh, because I used to travel back all the time. And you know, when you travel across seas, you have to plan for so many different things. And um, the night before, or I think, yeah, the night before I left, I played basketball and I had braces at the time. Somebody passed the basketball inbounds to my face and um, the inside of my face was like not okay after the basketball hit my face when you have braces on. Um, That trip was not the most fun trip because I was... Uh, not able to speak very well, and traveling was not fun. No matter how well you plan for something, there's always things that come in. The best laid plans, and that, that phrase is from Robert Burns' poem. It's his Scottish poem from the late 1700s. It says, the best laid plans of mice and men often go askew. The best laid plans of mice and men often go askew. On my most recent trip to the States, one of the things that I looked forward to the absolute most, we went in November to go visit friends and family, was the food. And I already mentioned it. The food was something I was so looking forward to. And we don't know the next time we're going to go back because it's such, it's such an expensive journey to take. And so I got my list of restaurants down. Like, I made a really long list. My list of restaurants was so long that it was, there was more restaurants than there were days that we were going to be in the States. And so I even, out of that one list, made a smaller list of, I have to get to this one. This one I'm gonna, and I've already told you about my love for Pinnacle Peak and the steaks thereof, and I did manage to get to Pinnacle Peak. But, j- as soon as I got to the States, I had carne asada, which is a, a Mexican uh, steak, it's spiced and marinated, and it's really good. But I had it maybe one too many times. And I got one of the worst case of food poisoning I've ever had. And I was out of commission for at least a week. And I started eating after that week. But what I could eat was like a little bit of rice or a little bit of cracker. And so I didn't get to just about any of those restaurants. As much as I love Pinnacle Peak, and you know how much I love Pinnacle Peak, I put it out as late as I possibly could. And even then, it still just wasn't as good. So, I mean, you know, the... Best laid plans of mice and men often go askew. No matter how well you plan into something, it oftentimes doesn't go the way that you think it's gonna go. And this morning, one of the things that I wanted to share, I just recently listened to a podcast by Chris Valatin from Bethel, and he said something that I think is so important that I just want to spend some time reflecting on this morning. It's the difference between plans and purposes. It's the difference between a plan and a purpose. And he used the scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11. And I think most of us have heard the scripture again and again and again and used in so many different contexts, right? What is, what is it? For I know the, the plans I have for you, plans to bring you hope and a future. The word plans there, Chris was suggesting, is probably not the best word to use, when talking about us today in the English language. For I know the plans I have for you is probably not the best word he submitted. And he said the best word to use there would be the word purpose. When you actually look at the word and you go into the the Hebrew, which I can't pronounce. But if you look at the word, the the best word to replace that would be the word purpose. For I know the purpose I have for you. And I just I just went to look and see, and and he was right. The word plan works. The word purpose works in there. The word thought works. That's the the root word is actually talking about to think. That that God knows the thought that He has for you in your life. Now, if you go and just look at at our dictionary of what a plan is, it kind of helps. I hope to to set up the framework for where we're going to go this morning. So, a plan is a diagram or an orderly arrangement of parts of an overall design or objective, a detailed program, or this. This is what I want to focus on. A plan is a method for achieving an end. A plan is a method for achieving an end. And then if you go to purpose, what does the word purpose mean? And I, I know we all know, but it's so helpful to look at specifically what it is. A purpose is the reason why something is done or used. It's the aim or intention of something. I think so many of us, especially when it comes to the things of God or things in our life, when things don't go according to plan, we often disengage from God. We often question God. When things don't go according to plan, it puts us in a place where we're ineffective to continue doing that which He's called us to do. For I know the plans I have for you We can get so locked into thinking that there's a specific plan that God has for our life. And if it doesn't happen just as we thought, we start to think that maybe God didn't speak to us. Or we start to doubt the very word of God. But for I know the purpose I have for you. It's a very, very different thing. The plans, I'll go back to the definition, is the method for achieving an end. The means to an end. But the purpose is the aim or intention of something. What an encouraging word this morning, and that's, that's as deep as we're going to go. I'm going to use some examples to illustrate that point. But no matter what U-turn has come at you, no matter how big the roadblock is, no matter how much it doesn't line up with what you thought it was going to look like, God knows the purpose he has for you. The plan might have changed, but the purpose is something that God has designed for you. That doesn't The means can change. But the purpose remains the same. The plan is the how you get there. And the plans can often change. But the purpose is where you're getting to. And I think this is something that I want to bring to encourage you this morning. That God can use the good, the bad, and the ugly. He uses whatever U-turn, whatever roadblock. He is not daunted by that roadblock. He does not then say, you know what, I actually made a mistake. I shouldn't have Spoke that purpose into someone, I was completely wrong. The fabrications that we have in the roadblocks are not his roadblocks. Oftentimes, it's our perspective of the way that we think something should happen or should go that puts us into a place where we then become ineffective. This morning, what I want to do is talk, um, just illustrate through an Old Testament story, this principle that I think is so important to, to think upon. When I listen to the podcast of Chris Valatin, and you can check it out on the Bethel website. His, he, didn't, he didn't actually share any scripture. He, only, he mentioned that brief thing that I did to you about the Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, 11 and he went on to tell story after story after story of how much he hated his job. He, just, he had story after story after story of disaster that struck in his job. He felt that he um, had a very clear word from God to go and start a business. And, and he kept telling God, he said, I don't want a business. I want a ministry. And he had it confirmed through people that didn't know each other until a business owner that he didn't know approached him and said, I want you to buy my business. And he said, no, I don't want to buy it. He didn't have any money. And he was so happy he didn't have any money because he didn't want to buy the business. And then his grandma gave him however much money it was. Um, and so he had so much uh, positioning to step into starting a business and then in the business, he it was a service station. He had cars that blew up. He had a bull that 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 attacked him in the stage. He had a gentleman that attacked him um, in his, his service station. He just he had story after story after story of his business not really being the best part of his life. And then he started to realize that he was already in the ministry in his business, that as he was dealing with people, as that he was engaging in the day-to-day life, that God is able to use him wherever he puts him. And he had this, this completely restructured way of thinking about the way that he perceived what God wanted to do with his life. And he eventually did go into ministry, but he said he never made any money. He actually left the business in debt. Now, doesn't that challenge the way that we all think about the way that God is supposed to work in our life? This is something that God really positioned him into and encouraged him down the way. And he didn't have earthly success in the way that you would think it. But he was equipped with so many stories and so many different ways of dealing with people. And he said that now he, he, he does have the money and all those kinds of things. But it's not about monetary success or earthly success of where God's taking us. And then if you even take a step back from that, what is the purpose that God has for your life? And we've talked a lot about that. One of the passions in our heart is to see people living in purpose. But I think a big roadblock to that is the way that our life goes often puts us in a place where we disengage from the purpose of God because we don't believe Him, or we get so hurt, or we step back. But this morning, we're talking about the difference between plans and purposes. So I want to read out this story, and then we'll, we'll just break it apart as we go through it. We're going to jump into the story of Moses and Co entering into the promised land. So they've already had miracles happen in Egypt, and they've been miraculously set free from an entire life of slavery. And they're now about to step into the promised land. They're about to step into the thing that God has promised for them or has purposed for them. And as they're about to step into it, God gives them some instructions, and we're going to pick up the story there. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, those are the plans, which I am giving to the people of Israel, which is the purpose. Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe you shall send a chief among them. So Moses obeyed the command of the Lord. It was under God's direction, the specific things that they were doing to enter into the promised land. This was God's specific direction. Send men, a tribe, a tribe chief of every one of your 12 tribes into the land to go spy it out. It was from God. And these included Joshua and Caleb. Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan. And here we get the specific detailed plans. And he said to them, go and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad and whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds and whether the land is rich or poor and whether there are trees in it or not. Be of good courage and bring home, bring some of the fruit of the land. After 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. They brought back word to Moses and all the congregation of Israel, and they showed them the fruit of the land. They told him, the land to which you sent us flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. The giants dwell there. Caleb quieted the people, and he said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone with them said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. The land which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And there we saw the giants, and we seemed like grasshoppers to them. As I was talking through this, one of the points that that Bruce Billington mentioned, make sure you emphasize, and it's so important, is the people were never asked to give their opinion if they could take the land or not. I think that's so important because as we have plans in our life. When we start to infuse our part of the plan into the plan that God sends us down is where problems start to occur. God has spoken to each and every one of us about who we are, what he's asked us to do, where he's asked us to go. And if you need a refreshing of that, please come up at the end and let us pray for you and let us seek the Lord over what God is calling over your life. We're going to continue to explore that. We think there's such wealth represented in here of the things that God can do through us and in us. I met with Jen Tyson this week, and I was so encouraged after I left because her mission statement for her, her business is, and I'm probably going to butcher it, but to help people find what they were born to do or something along that line. I absolutely love that. What we want to be a people of is helping people find what they were born to do and supporting them in that. Amen. We're not here to serve our own purposes. We're here to serve one another and launch one another into the kingdom ventures that God has put on every one of our hearts. But we can get so tripped up if we start to infuse our part of the plan or we start to give our opinion as to what God has told us not to give an opinion to. The people rebel and all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt or the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land? Notice, why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. This seems really different from the direction that God gave to the people. They're now, no longer are they just offering their opinion. They've now got a whole set of plans based on where they're going. And where is their plan taking them? Directly back to the place that they were right before they started. So much so, they said they wish they would have died. Nothing's even happened to them yet, and they're already wishing they would have died. As soon as our plans enter, where is it taking us back oftentimes? Taking us right back. They said they would rather be back in slavery than be taking the promised land. And let's, let's rewind back to the start of this verse. The Lord said to Moses, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. The plans and the outworkings of the plans are the first part. Send the men. The men go and then they lose the purpose and they say, we're not able to fulfill out what you're asking us to do. We're putting our opinion in the Lord had already promised that I'm giving you this land. The promised land was already promised by Jesus, hence the word promised land or God back then. Jesus now. It's so important that we recognize this because we need to be a people that are stepping into our promised land regardless of what it looks like if God has has asked us to move into that realm. Amen? Moses and Aaron fell on their faces and Joshua and Caleb tore their clothes and they said to the people, the land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. And this morning, if this can be anything, it's just a time to reflect on the character of who God is. Because when the plans don't go according to the way that we thought they were supposed to go, we start to doubt the character of God. And oftentimes what I want to submit is that those plans are often our own infused plans with where God started us. God was the one that said, go into the land. He knew that there were giants in the land. He didn't ask for an opinion on them, and he certainly didn't say, go back into slavery. And he says this, if the Lord delights in us, we have to have an understanding That the Lord delights in us. There should be joy unspeakable when we get together because we have an understanding that regardless of what we think should be happening, the Lord delights in us. Regardless of what plan might seem to be taking us this way, if it's in church, if it's in your home, if it's in your workplace, if it doesn't look like the way that you think it should look and it doesn't feel the way you think it should feel, Be of good cheer, be joyful, because if the Lord delights in you, which he does, you can know that he's going to see it to the end. If the means to the end don't look like they're supposed to, that's not the time to go back into slavery. That's the time to go back to the character of who God is. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into that land. And he says these two things. Only do not rebel. Don't go to your way. Against the Lord and do not fear. Do not fear the people for the Lord is with us. Two very simple points. Don't go your way when it comes time to this idea of plans and purposes. And the second one, and I think it's such a powerful motivator for us. Do not fear. If you know that it's motivated by fear, you probably need to go back to the character of God and spend some time on. Thank you so much for leading worship this morning. I love that you're pushing in to the things of God. We're not just saying token phrases and singing them over and over again. We're spending time before our Creator so that we can catch His heart for us. If we, leave, if we leave worship unchanged, we haven't spent enough time before His face to let Him change us. It's not us doing more work. It's us spending enough time with Him so that He can start to change the position of our heart. The Lord delights in us. Let's let's catch that heart from them. So bless you. Thank you. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will the people not believe in me? How long will the people not believe in me? What a powerful statement from the Lord. He said, I've given you the promised land. The issue isn't them taking the promised land. The issue is the people believing that God wants that for them. I love this. Um, was talking with a, a gentleman recently and he said in, re- in dealing with conflict management, when you come and talk to someone and there's just really different kind of viewpoints going on and someone, I, I use this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell real stories in a, in a recent relationship over the weekend with a family member and it worked so well. It like totally, I'm giving you the conflict management 101 here. That If they say a statement, rather than refuting the statement, if it's not a true statement, you can simply say, do you really think that I would want to do that? And there's usually motivations aside to that. So it's saying, hey, you you wanted me to to fail or you wanted me to do this. Do you really think that I wanted you to fail? Or whatever the case might be, you can fill in the gap. And we had a really good conversation about motivations. And and it was actually, no, I don't think you really do want me to fail. And it it was this great moment. But I think we need to stop oftentimes. And I'm, I'm asking you to maybe take a moment in your life this morning to stop and to ask God the questions of the places in your life that have not gone according to your plan. And look at what is inside here. And is there something hurting because it didn't go how you want it to go? Is there what, what is going on? This is the moment to say and challenge those things and those belief systems Did God really mean that for harm? God, I'm broken because my child isn't following you and he's somewhere off and he's he's in a broken place. I've got this thing in my life that won't go away. God, I'm doubting you. This doesn't look like how I thought it was supposed to look. I want to encourage you. This is a place, as we're looking at plans versus purposes, to go to God and to... And to have a moment where you say, and you have a conversation with God, God, is this what you really meant for me? Because we move forward with beliefs about each other and with God before we take time to actually look and see what's going on. We start to blame God for a whole lot of things. And then we start to infuse our plans, and we end up back in Egypt, back in the middle of slavery, back from wherever we started. Because we don't go through this process. I'm encouraging. Does God really want to set you up for failure? No. God delights in you. There is joy unspeakable in him. The joy of the Lord is your strength. As soon as we infuse our plans, we're being robbed of our strength because we get robbed of our joy. But the Lord delights in you. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went and his descendants shall possess it. I love that. It's all about the spirit that you carry and who you are following. It's the spirit that you carry. And I've I've talked about the word spirit before, but literally the word spirit is this word that says this is the part of you that communicates with God, meaning What's the difference between the people that actually fully went into the promised land and those that had to wander into the desert until they died and never got to possess it? It was the spirit that they carried. And if we look at what that is, it's people communicating with God and people going about doing their own thing. I'm not talking about belief in God. All of them started off based on God's direction. But if you get so worked up about your ability to perceive what these plans are and you lose sight of the purpose... You're going to go far astray. It's about the spirit that you carry. Oftentimes, we get so focused on the method, on the means to an end, which is literally what plan means, and we miss the purpose, the aim, or the intention of something. I was thinking even about technology today, how, how much it's changed how we communicate with one another. We, I can talk to someone across the world in the blink of an eye on FaceTime, on Skype, on any of those. I was thinking about light. The light that we have in here and these these light bulbs and the light that's displayed off the screen and the, the electricity. Think about the different progressions where we've come through from fire to candles to oil lamps to electricity. I think oftentimes we get stuck because we saw light when it was in fire, when it was in the fire mode. And I think oftentimes we get so stuck that that's how God delivers light is through fire. And I want to submit there's electricity that can, that can shine a whole, much more, a whole lot more light than just fire can. If we had a big fire in here to see, that'd be a really big fire. It'd be pretty unmanageable. But I was just even thinking about the metaphor of light. The way that your light shines might change, but your light will always shine. There are so many expectations that we have about our life and the way that we think it's supposed to go and who we're supposed to marry and how many kids we're supposed to have, 3.5, and how many dogs and cats we'll have and they're going to live long and happy lives. But God is not deterred by any of those. And he's in the middle of all of those. But don't lose sight of what the purpose is for your life. Don't lose sight of what purpose is going on. The aim or intention of your life isn't determined by what happens in your life. Let us be a people of joy unspeakable understanding that. I'm going to wrap up with just a story about uh, Jesus and, and my main man, Peter. Do you know that the disciples rarely had any clue of what Jesus was doing? They were so confused by this guy and they loved him completely And they followed him all the time. And they had the inside scoop on everything. And so I want to encourage you this morning that you can be walking alongside with him. You can be talking alongside with him. And you can still have no idea what's going on sometimes. That's okay. The disciples rarely had any idea what's going. They thought that Jesus was very soon going to come with the sword and take over Rome. And that their kingdom was going to be established. I just want to pick up a very quick passage in Matthew 16. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Notice, Jesus explains all that to them. When Jesus says that, Peter rebukes Jesus. Jesus rebukes him in kind, and he says this, You are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. We have Peter who had revelation of who Jesus was. You are the Messiah. You're the guy that's going to make this all right again. Just like most of us, I would imagine, we have revelation of who Jesus is in our lives. We understand that he is the Messiah and that he is just going to be the one to bring freedom and peace. And healing and whatever you need. And we've talked about giving away life to your situation. The change comes in how we think he's going to do it. As soon as Jesus says the method of how he's going to bring about the purpose in Peter's life, Peter rebukes him for it. God unpacks how he's going to bring his purposes to Peter. And Peter says, no, you ain't. You're not going to do that. What a powerful encouragement for us that we don't get down if we get distracted, that if we miss maybe the greater purpose at times. But let us make sure that we come back to the Father's heart and realign ourselves, that his purpose will be established no matter what the plan looks like, no matter how it looks and what it looks like. And the key here is in that last verse, and we'll wrap up and I'll pray. He says, You're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Can I encourage us, as we take time in our busy schedule, to leave space to put our mind on the things of God? We're so quick to make up plans when the way that we see this is shaping up isn't going our way, and those plans often take us straight back to where we landed. Let's not be fear based. Let's not go our way, but set our mind on the things of God. It is as simple as spending time with Him. It's as simple as actually setting time aside. How many decisions do we make in our own strength? Spend time to do that. More than anything, I hope that you're encouraged this morning as we continue to walk forward, understanding that there is a purpose for your life. I don't think we can talk to it enough until we see a group of people that come in here humming with the knowledge that the Lord delights in us. I love, One of the things Ben always encourages me every time I get together with him, he says, Jesse, the chief thing is to enjoy the Lord. Can I leave that encouragement with you that the Lord does delight in you and that the way that your life is gone, regardless of where it is, he still delights in you. And let's change the way that we think about the plan for our life, and understand that he has a purpose. And let's go after the purpose. Because there's promised lands that each of us need to step into that this community will be transformed by. I'm so encouraged and I'm so uplifted to see the faces and the purpose that lies in this room. But let's move forward together. Can you encourage someone today out out there in their God-given purpose? Okay, let's pray. Father, we just thank you. Lord, we're not looking to do token anything, Father. Lord, we're not looking to just come and spend a Sunday morning, an hour and a half here in a church, but Lord, we're, we're wanting to come and meet the almighty living God. Father, and we declare this morning that you are the alpha and the omega. Lord, we declare that you are the source of life itself. And Lord, when we come to get life, we want to come with passion and excitement, Father. We want to come knowing that you delight in us. So Lord, we speak to the lies of the enemy that have said that you are not who you say you are. That things in life that have distracted people here, Lord, I pray that you would bring fresh perspective even now. Lord, and we speak that joy would start to bubble up in our hearts as we recognize that the plans might change, but you're going to establish your purpose in the end. Father, we ask that your purposes, your will would be established in this place. Lord, every life that's here, Lord, I speak divine purpose into them right now. Lord, I pray that they would connect with you in a fresh way and be able to bring life in your kingdom in a new and exciting way in their life. Lord, let us not disconnect from you, Father, but we're asking that you stir yourself up in the name of Jesus. Amen.